What's up, Bucks fans? Back at it again with another episode of Pirate Parlay presented to you by the Sick Podcast Network. We've got a great show for you today. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to my inaugural episode. Uh, we've got a special guest in the house today. Going to break down behind enemy lines a little about about the Saints. And we'll also break down some of the top stories around the news, including who might not be able to play on, on Sunday's game against the Saints. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Breaking everything down here on Pirate Parlay. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, Pirate Parlay. Battle intercepted, picked off in the end zone, Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs, we're the champions of the world. The sickest Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, it's going to be sick. So coming off a short week, welcome back here to the Pirate Parlay podcast, Presented by the Sick Podcast Network. Coming off a short week and a disappointing loss to Philadelphia Eagles, the Bucks started their week with a breezy walkthrough on, on Wednesday before kind of ramping it up a little bit today. And injury report came out, and things are not looking great in the Bucks' favor. Uh, they did have one positive note. Carlton Davis is back participating as a full participant uh, with that turf toe injury. I still think it's going to be a game-time decision for him. But the fact that he's trending in a full participation from a limited is definitely a step in the right direction. Devin White also bumped up with a limited participation. Last week, it was a groin injury. He's notated as a foot injury this week. So that's something to bear monitor, too, as well. Going back to his stomping grounds in New Orleans, played at LSU. You know he's going to get hyped for that game. So hopefully he can be close to 100%. Had the interception. Probably could have been a pick six in that Eagles game, but Clearly, clearly hampered by that injury, ran out of bounds. So the rest of the injury report, not so hot for the Bucks. Jamel Dean, who left the game against the Eagles, came back in with a shoulder injury, uh, did not participate for the second day in a row. Servasia Dennis and Kalijah Kansi, who have missed the last two games, also not participating. Those guys look like they're probably out again. Maybe try to bring them back after the bye week. That cornerback room just continues to take hits with Derek Pitts or Derek Pitts, sorry, uh, dealing with a hamstring injury who did not participate for the second day in a row. And perhaps one of the biggest names on there is Vita Vea, um, not participating again for the second day in a row with a pectoral injury. Guys, if, if Vita Vea can't go, it's going to create a whole bunch of problems for the Saints, uh, for the Saints matchup uh, with the Bucks when they take them on in week four on Sunday. He's obviously the guy that takes all those double teams and anchors in the middle of the run defense. And you could just tell, even though going up against a really good offensive line and center and Jason Kelsey, he was not at 100%. If they don't have him, if they don't have Kelsey, it's going to be asking a lot of their backup defensive tackles to kind of hold the middle and really solidify against the run game that can get after you in multiple ways. I said earlier in this week on my Twitter, I don't expect Jamel Dean to be active for this game. I'll be surprised if Carlton Davis is too, especially with a turf toe injury. Um, you kind of want to let that rest on its own. It takes a little while, uh, but if he can go, he's going to go. Remember, Michael Thomas has been out for the last almost two years. He was he played last year but in week two, but wasn't the same Michael Thomas. Clearly banged up and not 100%, went on IR and missed the rest of the season. And you know he gets up for that matchup, his slant boy, as he calls him. Um, so, you know, it's going to be something to monitor throughout the week uh, on this injury front with the Buccaneers. And we'll get into the Saints because they're dealing with a slew of injuries as well, including their starting quarterback. We'll get into that as well. And 
Because the Buccaneers are dealing with injuries at cornerback, they brought a couple guys in. William Jackson the third, former first-round pick from the Cincinnati Bengals, came in for a workout this week. He signed last season with the Washington Commanders on a three-year, $40 million deal, but dealt with a uh, disc, uh, bulging disc in his back. And really, after f- the first few games, he was kind of sent down to uh, bench to deal with that while you know they, they found a replacement for him. Ended up getting traded midseason to the Steelers, but never played it down for them. He's now healthy, um, and, and he was in for a workout, as well as another cornerback that they brought in. And uh, uh, Tay, I believe his name is. Um, I'll get it for you guys now. But uh, opposite end of the spectrum, not a guy who was a first-round pick, a guy who was an undrafted, bounced around a little bit here and there. Uh, Tay Hayes, not Days, my apologies. Uh, bounced around here and there. He's got 13 games of experience, a couple starts under his belt. But that's more of the back of the roster guy. If they think Jamel could be out a long-term situation or long than than expected they can make a move on William Jackson they are extremely um, shallow at this position we'll know more Bolts has been able to get guys in on a Friday and get them ready to play on a Sunday remember Pierre Desir, uh and even Richard Sherman uh, a few years ago as well so if they if they have not seen enough progression from Jamel Dean there could be someone that they sign and bring in tomorrow as soon as tomorrow um, to to kind of get ready to play even in a limited role um, on Sunday. So something to watch. We, we spoke with Dave Canales today, uh, offensive coordinator. He had a few interesting things to say, specifically about the identity of the, of the team's offense and the run game as a whole. He, he just doesn't think that, you know, the blocking obviously hasn't been the best. We know that. The running hasn't been the best either. They're 2.7 carries, uh, yards per carry in the league right now. And for a team that finished dead last in rushing, that's not the kind of production that you want to see, especially from an offensive system that talked about marrying the pass and run while they've been very balanced. And we talked about that um, on Wednesday's podcast, you know, the, the results aren't there as part of it. Canal says is just because the mentality of the team isn't there yet. Uh, They, they haven't identified uh, themselves as what, what they're going to be. Are they going to be that mentality? mentality of run blocking uh and impose their will on on other players so you know that that's something that you know will come he talked about the offensive scheme the guys know it there's not much to install at this point they're still adding new things and tweaking things on a game plan basis but for the most part you know it's all about execution now uh it's all about you know uh getting the play action where it needs to be where he doesn't feel like it is it's about you know, catching the ball, not turning over. Those things will kill you. We know they will. And the Bucks were really good with it through the first two weeks and then had two, an interception and a fumble last week. So those things will kill you, and it needs to get better. And if it's going to get better, it's got to start up front. Um, you know, they got to get better push from their linemen, uh, specifically the interior. Bob Hainsey has been pushed around a lot by bigger defensive linemen. The Eagles had their way with them last week. While Cody Mock has shown flashes, and, and these guys have been pretty decent in pass protection uh, for a team that kind of prides itself on being run blockers, they they've struggled a little bit. So the the good news is Trisha Wirfs looks like an animal at left tackle, hasn't really dropped off. There's some improvement that needs to be made, but I mean he's making a switch as a all pro right tackle to the left side. He's going to get better. You look at his stats. He didn't allow a single pressure or obviously a sack against the Eagles' vaunted front seven last week. 
And Luke Gedeke, too, he has been a real surprise on the right side. Um, obviously did not work out at left guard last year. He's been out there and really moving people. Last week, you finished in the top uh, 15 of pass protection grades. The week prior was the top 10. He's really surprised in pass protection. And one of the things that uh, you know Dave Canales mentioned uh, about uh, specifically, you know, Cody Mock and, and Luke Gedeke is that, you know, with Cody, his flexibility, athleticism um, and his recovery, that, that's one of the things that has impressed me most watching the tape is even if he does get beat, he's got the athleticism and recovery to not to make it not look as bad as it, as it should and kind of get there and save what, what could have been a disastrous play. And, and then uh, Luke Gedeke is just so strong. I mean, he's one of the strongest guys on this team. He can really move. He's got a lot of power from a pass protection standpoint. Um, they're doing their job when it, when it comes to pass protecting. And Baker's only been sacked three times this season as a whole, and two of those came against the Eagles, who put up 70 sacks as a team last week's, uh, last year. So uh, they've been doing a good job, and they're going to have to carry that over because they've got a difficult challenge. And two guys who are no strangers to the Buccaneers' backfield, and Cam Jordan, who's had over 20 career sacks against the Buccaneers, and obviously Curtis Granderson, who just got two and a half, three sacks on the season and just got a huge deal. And we'll talk about those guys and what they bring uh, just here in a second. I'm going to get our, our guest in here in a minute, but you know, each week, obviously, National ranking come out for power rankings. And one of the things that I was surprised to see is the Bucks didn't really move, you know, um, maybe a few spots back. But this team is still in that, you know, mid to upper mid half in a lot of people's minds. I, I think when you look at the Eagles, they are the defending NFC uh, cha- conference champions. And, you know, it was an uphill battle for a Bucks team that's not necessarily as complete of a team as the, the Eagles are. Um, and they still held their own for the most part. Obviously, there were things that I'm sure they would like back because um, they didn't get the win, but they did a well enough job. A lot of people didn't think they were going to win that. I think their consensus ranking right now is around 18, um, 17 somewhere. So they're right in the thick of it, especially right in the thick of it in this division in the NFC South where all three teams lost last week in the Panthers, the Saints, and the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons got beat by the Lions, and then the, the, the Saints just got kind of embarrassed um, letting the Packers just run up uh, un, unanswered points to to come from behind and win the game, including a two-point conversion. But we'll talk about that, what happened last week with the Saints. We'll talk about what's going on with their offensive line, what's going on in their quarterback position, and do that. We're going to go behind enemy lines here. We're going to bring in David Grubb. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Saints. He covers them for, for the Believe uh, in Saints podcast network. And David, how are we doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good, man. It's always fun week. You know, whenever you get to this Saints Bucks week, whether you're on the Cam Jordan side and this isn't a rivalry, our rivalries with the Falcons, or you're on the Bucks side who absolutely hates the Saints, it's always fun. And the tor- the chirping started today with Tyran Matthew and Cameron Jordan, you know, spouting off in the media. Uh, but it's always a fun week, especially it, it has a little bit extra to it this week with potentially David Carr being sidelined with that AC uh, injury and and Jameis Winston, Tampa Bay's former number one overall pick Heisman trophy winner, maybe in line for the start. What's the latest on that? What are you hearing? Uh, I know David's car has been trying to work through it, um, but is there any way he plays this week? Um, Derek Derek was at at practice practice today, today, but but, uh, uh, he didn't participate. 
been getting been mostly, mostly mental, mental reps. reps. And in that and regard, in that regard I'm gonna play. Uh, I think this is a bad matchup for him. The Bucks are a team with nine sacks on the season already, uh, three sacks a game. This is not the Saints' offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL, uh, and he's his throwing shoulder is injured. Like, it just doesn't make sense uh, this early in the season to risk a long-term injury to this, to him when essentially you still don't think anybody in this division is going to run away with it. I think this is, right. you know, most people would say that this is a division that can be won with nine or 10 wins. Like it's been the last couple of years. Um, right. and, and these are the two teams who have won the, six, the last six division titles between them. Um, so yeah, it's, it is a rivalry. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the saints have dominated in the regular season, but, Getting into the playoffs is the thing. Getting to the Super Bowl is the thing. And the Saints haven't been back to the Super Bowl since they won the Super Bowl. So it's, it's you know, they've only been to two in, uh, one FC, NFC championship game at a time. So I think that this is a huge game for Dennis Allen. It's a huge game for this franchise. And honestly, um, I don't think there's a noticeable drop-off at all if Derek Carr doesn't play and Jameis does. Wow, that's those are some big words for the $150 man that they brought in. So what is it from Derek Carr that you've seen so far that that makes you that leads you to that assessment that that you don't think it would be a big drop off from Derek Carr who was brought in to be the face of the franchise of this, this franchise savior kind of at, at the quarterback position when they've had Jameis on the roster the last 3 years. What in Derek Carr's history makes us think he's any kind of savior? I mean, let's let's let's, let's look at the numbers for real. Okay, between him and Dennis Allen. Derek Carr in his career, the nine years that he spent with the Raiders, they only ranked in the top 10 in points twice, never in the top five, seven and 10. And they did that in two of his last three years. Average, they were about 19th a year in points. So that's not a kind of quarterback to me. And you could say, we understand the Raiders had a terrible defense. I think they were like something they averaged uh-huh. 26 in the NFL and points allowed at that time. But if your offense is really bad, that doesn't help your, your defense either. You know what I mean? Like if your offense can take time off the clock and score points itself, that helps the defense too. So, uh, you know, Derek Carr wasn't always helping his defense by putting up points just because he didn't throw a lot of interceptions to me, does not make him a dynamic quarterback. Yeah. He made some pro bowls, but everybody makes the pro bowl now (laughs) overall. And then you compare that to Dennis Allen, a guy in his career who has never won more than seven games in any regular season has never had an offense that has scored more than 20.1 points per game in a season, 20.1. He can't get you to blackjack. (laughs) So to me, mixing this guy who drafted Derek Carr and watched Derek Carr not produce major numbers, and also in his career, both as head coach of the Raiders and as head coach of the Saints, his most notable win is against the Bucks. that shut out. The Saints scored nine points. Right. Okay? So, like, they are – the Saints have this franchise-long record down there about to – they could possibly – and I think they probably will this weekend because I don't think either one of these teams is going to score a lot of points – but they're they're about to put their thirteenth consecutive, I mean twelfth consecutive game together, um, of holding a team to twenty one points or less. Yeah. In the thirteen games that they've done that since Dennis Allen's been head coach, they're seven and six. Yeah, like if you hold a team under twenty, you're supposed to win. Right. The major the vast majority of the time, the Saints are seven and six in those thirteen games. So I don't have 
a lot of confidence in this offensive line. It's been terrible. They can't run the football. They've been held below 77 yards in two out of three games. And they they haven't shown the ability to get the ball to anybody other than Chris Olave. That's where I wanted to go next to this offensive line. Obviously, Ryan Ramchek, one of the best right tackles in the league, but hasn't played it. And then you look at the injury report, two straight practices missed by Cesar Ruiz, starting center, who they paid a, quite a lot of money to this offseason uh, to retain. What's been up with the offensive line? Is it injuries hampering them, or is it just they're not gelling correctly, or is it what Carr's doing behind the offensive line and, and kind of is, is that part of the issue too? Love it. They're, they have had injuries. Um, they have had inconsistency. They have drafted poorly. Like, like you have to listen. This offensive line is made up of four first rounders and one second rounder. Hmm. Eric McCoy was a very solid center his first year. Then they draft Caesar Weeds, whose primary position is center. And Eric McCoy has not been the same since. He's not been the same player. As you said, Ryan Ramchick, the first four years of his career, he was the best right tackle in the NFL. He didn't make the Pro Bowl any of those years, but I will say he was the best right tackle in the NFL during that period. (laughs) He was the nastiest, most physical right tackle. That's why the Saints ran behind him. He hasn't been that in two years. And last week, Trevor Penning, who was basically a rookie, and Andrews Pete, who has been a huge disappointment in his career, we're your two best rated offensive linemen. Right. So it tells you it's it's guys that you should be able to count on are not playing well. Guys who are drafted highly have not played well. And that's on coaching. That's on the players. That's on the play calling. So all of those things, it, it, it's just the perfect storm of bad offensive line play. They haven't been able to run the ball in three years. Alvin Kamara, the last two years, is averaging below four yards a carry. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to next. They've struggled to run the ball. You know, the Bucks have struggled to run the ball too, but Saints have struggled to run the ball this season. Kamara's coming off a three-game suspension. Uh, he's going to obviously – how fresh do you think he is? What do you expect? From, obviously, the numbers are still there from a number sense, but the eye test, you can tell he's not the same explosive guy he used to be. Injuries have definitely played a part in, in, in taking away some of that explosiveness and dynamicism that he used to have, but – what do you expect from Alvin Kamara this week? Do you expect some of the same old stuff, or is it hold hold your breath on bated breath because you don't know what you're getting? Man, you know, the Saints have not done a good job of utilizing the running backs in the passing game. Even when Alvin Kamara was with them the last two years, he's um, averaged only 50 catches a season the last over the last couple seasons, where he was getting 80 over his first three. Uh, his running. Has not like last year, he didn't have a carry over 30 yards. That's not Alvin Kamara. He scored six touchdowns in the last two seasons. He used to be the best red zone back in the NFL. He was historically good in the red zone. Right. He doesn't even get there now, doesn't get touches in there. They give those touches to Taysom Hill. So I don't know what to expect from Alvin Kamara. Of course, everybody is saying, well, he's in great shape and he's fresh. Sure. Okay. But the last two years, you were in shape and you were fresh when the season started, and you ended up putting up back to back the two worst seasons of his career. Right. I, I don't. I don't have any trust in Pete Carmichael. I don't have any trust in Dennis Allen. I don't have any trust in this line, and I think Alvin, unfortunately, at the age of twenty-eight, is his best years are behind him. Well, 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 you talk about 
issues in the red zone and everything like that and how how much he was you got only only four touchdowns uh so far in in these in these first three games two receiving two on the ground and and those two on the ground were you know just two yard runs by uh the running back tony there jones. tony jones what uh what has been going on with their ability or inability to to score points on on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, you had you know uh, Rashid Shaheed, and we'll get into him and his big punt return, and uh, you know a defensive touchdown as well. But what's been going on with the ineffectiveness to get it in the red zone, punch it in, it, and put points on the board? It's, it's been a, another weird thing. You know, the Saints brought back Jimmy Graham, and you think, okay, you brought back a thirty five year old who's been out of the league for a year. You bring him back because you're going to use him in the red zone. Mm. You know, you don't put a third tight end at that age unless you're specifically going to use that guy when you get to the red zone. His first target and his first catch, four for a touchdown, but they were in week three. All right. And the Saints had been in the red zone in weeks one and two, and mm. we never saw Jimmy Graham. So I don't understand what, what you know, the play calling. I don't understand the teams, the, the players that they're using. Taysom Hill hasn't gotten carries in the red zone. They've thrown a lot of passes in the red zone with Derek Carr, and they have not worked. You have the one touchdown that he did get uh, to Shahid in week one was from 19 yards. So mm. technically that's the red zone. But um, other than that, you know, it's it's been – you haven't seen Jawan Johnson, who is a converted wide receiver who has great catch that's radius, and you haven't seen him in the red zone getting opportunities. He's only had, I think, six targets all season long. Um, so I, I think the play calling has been weird. I think Derek Carr has locked in on uh, receivers and not had good reads. He's thrown both of his interceptions, you know, have come in the red zone. So I, I just don't – it's just everything that, that can go wrong offensively for the Saints this season other than Chris Olave. Like he's the only thing and, – and Shahid's one punt return. You take that away, we're not even – you know, we're not even talking about the Packers game being close at all. Yeah, and that's why the sounds the the one silver lining I think on that offense is Chris Olave, who's helping me out on my fantasy team uh, as well. But Chris Olave, year two, we saw what he did year year one. I mean, it just lights out over a thousand yards catching, targeted I think was it 127 times, uh, caught you know just was just catching everything. Used that speed, the yak uh, ability to gain yards after the catch. What has been the most impressive thing about Chris Olave, and then even to a lesser extent, the way they've used Rashid Shahid as you know some maybe some silver linings on what you've seen from that offense. You know, when you talk about who the best receiver in the league is, I think it, it comes down to a matter of per- personal preference. Right now, somebody will tell you it's Justin Jefferson. Somebody will say it's um, you know Jamar Chase. Somebody will say whatever the list is. Um, I'll just say that for as far as Chris Olave is concerned, I don't know who runs routes better. You know what I mean? I don't know who has better hands. There are guys at, certainly as good um, because there are so many great receivers in the NFL. Right. But if if somebody called about any of those and said, we'll give you one of those for Chris Olave, the Saints would say no, because they're, you know, you're very happy with what you have. You have as good as you're going to get. At that position, I think, you know, you've seen the catches that he's been able to make on passes that he shouldn't have, you know, most guys don't make. Um, His concentration is even better than it was last year. And the one steady thing, at least, 
is that none of the Saints receivers have had a drop this season. So if it has gotten near them, they've made the catch. It's just the, the passing has not been good. But Chris, he can beat you deep. He can beat you over the middle. He can run after the catch. Like you say, he runs like a running back after he gets the ball right. in space. Um, and he's strong now, much stronger than he was as a rookie. And Thomas, uh, Michael Thomas back. Uh, what does he look like uh, so far? We know if Carlton Davis can go, that's going to be a fun matchup. They've got these these matchups, you know, with with Evans and Lattimore and and Thomas and, and Carlton Davis. But what does Michael Thomas look like finally back after about it feels like almost three years since you know he put up those numbers? Yeah, it's it's basically been that um, three seasons since we've really seen Michael Thomas and the Saints. You know, they opened Week One targeting him. And getting some plays that actually got downfield, you know, he had some twenty-yard catches. He was, he looked like he could, you know, separation is never his thing as far as speed, but he looked good. He was, he was running well. Um, but as the offense is stalled, you know, he's only getting about nine yards a catch, three catches a game. So, you know, it, he's not producing. But again, it's just as I said, it's been a failure for this offense on so many levels. He looks fine. Physically, he looks fine, but this right. offense is just wasting all of its talent. Shahid, on the other hand, you know, you've seen it. He can make the big play. He's had big catches. He scored in two of the three games so far this season. Um, he's a, he, he is he he's not just a speed guy. You know, he he's going to develop better as a wide receiver, but he is not just a speed guy. He runs his routes. He has good hands, uh, and that. You know, that gives the Saints three legitimate receivers. And and in any NFL team, that's what you want to have. They've got an abundance of talent at the skill positions. You know, if you're – it's just that either it's hurt like Jamal Williams, who's on the sidelines right now. It's coming back from suspension like Alvin Kamara. Um, Your your third and fourth back, Kendra Miller. Everybody was high on Kendra Miller coming out of the draft and and out of uh, training camp but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So the Saints have not gotten luck there, but at the same time, even with the, when with the guys are on the field, they're not producing. Yeah, and you, you look at the, the offense right now, it it's, hasn't been lighting it up. But jumping over to the defensive side, because I think that's where you can start really honing in on some, because it doesn't seem like you're too high on this Saints offense being able to move the ball. But the defense has been one of you. You mentioned the statistic, you know, uh, holding teams to less than 21 points. What about this defense has you excited? Lottery shuffling, lost a co-offensive, uh, co-defensive coordinator to the Falcons. He stole a couple of the guys as well. Daniel Anamata being the big one. Brought in uh, first-round pick Brian Brees and Nathaniel Dell. Um, what have you seen out of this front seven and this defense uh, with shuffling they did in the offseason? And it affected that getting pressure on the quarterback in, in both of the first three games, in all three of the, the uh, first three games, uh, though, you know, the fourth quarter against the Packers was not pretty. Um, this team has a good combination of athleticism and leadership at every level. You know, the defensive line was a huge concern coming into the season because it was very inexperienced and unproven um, outside of Camp Jordan. And Carl Grandison was a guy that had a lot of potential, but he hadn't put it together for a long enough stretch. Well, he's put it together 
to start the season. He's looked fantastic uh, to start the year. And that's why he got his big extension. Cam Jordan has looked solid, um, you know, at, at this advanced age. It's, it's You're not expecting the same. But Cam is a complete defensive end. He can rush the passer, play the pass, and play the run. So, you know, that's always been his skill. But Breezy's had his moments. Um, other guys on the defensive line have, have played well at times. De, um, DeMario Davis, over the last three or four years, has been as good a middle linebacker as there is. Yeah. Uh, and and Pete Werner's a tackling machine, undersized yeah. but a tackling machine. Uh, so I, I I like them there, but it hurts that Marcus May is not there right now. You know he's he's on suspension for a DUI uh, that he suffered in the off season, and so he's got two more games to go. But that means you've got to put Teron Matthew in coverage more, and that's not his forte. He's a playmaker. You know he's a guy like a Bob Sanders. Or Troy Palomalu, where you, you you just trust that they're going to be where they're supposed to be. But if right. you're giving him a consistent coverage assignment, he's he, you know he's not a big guy. You you can take advantage of him there. Um, if you have to bring him up and run support, then who do you have at the back end? The corners are good. Alante Taylor, Marshawn yeah. Lattimore. Uh, Lattimore did not have a good game last week, but that seems to be the thing with that. That's the thing I think that keeps uh, Marshawn from being an All Pro is that he will look like an All Pro. Uh, against the best receivers, and then he gets if he looks across and sees somebody he doesn't respect, he kind of takes his foot off the gas at times, uh, and I think he did that last week in Green Bay. Yeah, you look at this the Saints team, especially the defense. I feel like they play to their competition a lot. Um, you know, you look at the first three weeks. Um, you know, and, and they they're you just said it with Lattimore. You know, he'll get up, and this I think this defense gets up for those bigger challenges and plays really tough. Those other ones kind of maybe, I don't want to say they overlook them, but kind of cruise control through it. And that's where they can get exposed and beat the matchup. Everyone's tuning in to see this weekend. Uh, if you're a Bucks fan, Saints fan it is clearly going to be Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore. Um, the last time these guys saw each other earlier in the season was week two of last year. Both of them got ejected. Evans got suspended. What is it about this rivalry, do you think, that is just uh, these guys clearly don't like each other? Um, you know, I think physical receivers are always going to be agitators for corners. And and Mike is a very physical receiver. You know, that I mean, just – and he's, he's incredibly talented. And, and he's, he's cocky, talks. And Marshawn talks. So when you we put all those things together – and Marshawn thinks he's as good as anybody that there is because he has statistical, you know, games where he can show you that he shut down some of the best receivers in this league. He did it to DeAndre Hopkins in week one. Um, but I think, you know, and then you add the the stakes for these games in their careers, how it went from no stakes when they both first arrived mm. to being the most important matchup every time they play it's the biggest game in the division every time they play and it's going and because it was driven by drew Brees and tom brady and even when it was Jameis, he was still throwing 4,000 4,500 5,000 yards it was driven by the passing games and so it was focused on those two guys and i think that they're the you know on the on the the back side that's been the one consistent up front it's cam but on the backside, it's been Marshawn and Mike. Right. Two more things, and then we'll get you out of here. 
Um, and it's just kind of breaking down some of the predictions. So uh, we'll start with the Bucks. The Bucks offense succeeds if they can do what against the Saints defense? You can turn it over and convert on third down. Because you can, you know, like the big plays have been there um, against the Saints the last couple of weeks. You've, teams have been able to get downfield against them, go over the top against them. And, and that's been a success for Tampa uh, for a number of years uh, against the Saints is, is the big play in the passing game. And I think as long as they don't turn it over, you know, I think um, they have a really good chance uh, of, of winning the game. Um I, I picked against the Saints last week against the Packers, but I think if the if if, if the, the Bucks are going to score, you know this is not going to be a high scoring game, but it's going to be about sustaining drives and and owning uh, the field, being able to flip it when you need to. Saints will be able to move the ball against the Bucks defense if they can finally get something out of the running game. You know, you look at what happened against Philly uh, for the Bucks. And, and how Philly was able to get some big runs late. And if you're the Saints, you've got to try to figure out how to capitalize on, as you, as you talked about it earlier before I came on, you know, the injuries up front. Um, Vita Vez has just been eat, has eaten the Saints alive uh, against the run the last couple of years. And we know the Saints can't have not gotten a run. If you're going to protect Jameis, who's not a tremendously mobile quarterback, and then you're also talking about, the last time Jameis started against the Bucks, he tore his ACL. Right. You know, and, and, and ended his season the day before Halloween two years ago. And Jameis was having a really good start to that season. And um, so I think that they, he's going to be really amped up. And I'm worried about that. So I think the Saints have to get to off to a good start. They got to be able to run the ball on first down so that they can have play action passes. Because if Tampa can tee off on Jameis and not respect the run. He's not, he can step up in the pocket and move, but he's not a runner. And if that means Taysom Hill has to be under center a lot, then it means you can't throw. So the Saints have to be able to run the ball first down. Have to take away what in order to beat the Saints on, on defense? What are they, what, what is, should be their main focus um, if they're going to stop this Saints offense? Don't let the Saints rush. Oh, oh, oh. As far, as far as the Bucks stopping yeah. the Saints offense? Yeah. Just pressure. Pressure. Just constant. You don't, I don't even think you have to blitz. I mean, the teams have not had to blitz because guys have been able to get right off of – I mean, Ramchek in particular has been just blown up in one-on-one. So if the Bucks can get pressure – it's over. The Saints can't do anything. I mean, I think, you know, they're one of the worst teams in the league and they're in the bottom half in completion percentage and touchdowns, everything. So pressure. And they've given 12 sacks already. <laughs> Quite a few sacks. David, I want to thank you so much for coming on here and, and breaking down this Saints. Doesn't seem like you're too high on this team through the first three weeks. I'm going to ask you for a score prediction. What do you got going on this week? Do you think the Saints go in, uh, go, come up ahead uh, with that three and one in the division lead, or do you think it's it's going to be a uh, a long look in the mirror for them after this week? I am going to make this one nineteen to seventeen bucks. Ooh, okay, low scoring, low scoring. I I agree. I think this is going to be a low scoring game. 
I think the defenses are both a little bit better than the offenses right now. But I think with Jameis there, uh, with the struggles the Saints have had, especially, you know, protecting, um, I'd give the slight edge to the Bucs. I'll get my score prediction out tomorrow. But, David, I want to thank you for coming on. Promote yourself. Where can people find you? Uh, where can they see all your work, read your work, hear your work? Check out the uh, Believe in Saints podcast on the Believe Network. And uh, you can check uh, my company out, Hard the Paint Sports, on YouTube and at HITPSports.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to get to talk. we got another game coming on later in the season, so we'll have to get you back on and talk then. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There you guys have it. David Grubb from Believe in the Saints podcast. Great insight. He's not too high on this Saints team, and I think that's one of these. You look at the situation here. Um, going into this season, I had this as a loss. Uh, I did my season predictions, and this was a loss. Bucks going into the bye week, two and two. Spoiler losing three in a row coming out of the bye week. But with the situation at hand, and this is why early season predictions are crazy, and you can never really go by them with Jameis stepping in, the offensive line looking the way it's been, injuries, suspensions, hitting the Saints uh, team right now, I think this is a very winnable game for the Buccaneers. I, I think it's going to be low scoring. I don't think this goes over 45 points, so take the under. Um, and, and I think the Bucks do come out victorious. I'll have my official score prediction over at Bucks Game Days by Sports Illustrated. Read all my content over there. Um, but it, it's going to be a fun game. You know everyone gets up for this matchup. If Carlton Davis can play, big thing to monitor on tomorrow's injury report. Like I said, he'll probably be game-time decision. I would be surprised if he does go. If he does, he's going to gut it out. I don't know if that's a smart decision dealing with that turf toe. Jamel Dean, I don't think is going to play. Don't count on him. So Bucks will be relying on at least one young cornerback, Lindsay McCollum, probably, or D. Delaney, starting over there. But... You know, it's going to be a really fun game. Uh, the Bucks have their bye week next week. We've got a lot of guests lined up, guys, next week. Uh, we got maybe, you know, some coaches coming in, so stay tuned. Uh, we've got some players coming in, so stay tuned. Maybe attack the trenches a little bit. Um, so definitely make sure you guys are, are, are liking and subscribing at Sick Pod, uh, Sick Podcast Pirate Parlay on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Sick Pod Bucks. Uh, make sure you turn those notifications on. Because I'm going to have next week is the bye week. So I will have three Buccaneers guests on this show. I'll have two players and a coach. So make sure you guys are staying tuned. We'll break down before the bye. What's going on during the bye. Get into some fun things too. A little bit make it off what these guys are into off the field and everything like that. But I want to thank all you guys for tuning in. We went a little bit long today, but we had great content from a guest. So I want to make sure that we got everything we could out of that. Again, follow us at the Sick Podcast Pirate Parlay on Twitter at SickPodBucks. You guys can follow me on Twitter at JC Allen NFL. All of my work over at Bucks Game Day, powered by Sports Illustrated. Check us out on Twitter there for all the latest Bucks news and analysis. And always keep it right here at the Pirate Parlay Podcast, presented to you by the Sick Podcast Network. We're out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast Pirate Parlay on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.